Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with LA Nick. Alex Brampernard Rasmussen. Co-host Catherine Brandt. And Andy Brampernard. We'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right. Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes. Have you ever seen a squawk? Well, look at mine. 
gentlemen, our special guest. John, you pronounce your last name Farrick? Correct. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, Farrick. Because you could have been Farrakh Obama, but I decided, <laughs> you know, could have been that. You never know. That would have been good about the eight or ten years ago. I could have capitalized. <laughs> capitalized. Sure. Segwayed that deal, John. John Farrick with us, ladies and gentlemen, Terratown USA, the untold story of Joliet's notorious serial killer. Uh, coincidence here, John, because I do a morning show in town as well, and I was just talking about what causes people to become serial killers. This is quite the coincidence. Yeah. Because I just don't, you sit at the house and you're mad at mom or you're mad at dad or you're mad at everybody and decide, I'm going to just start killing people willy-nilly. How the hell do they get there, John? I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, an that's an unbelievable question. You got 24 hours, we kid up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 24 exactly. hours, yeah. or 24 years. 24 years, exactly. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's tr- triggered by my mommy hates me, my daddy hates me. What is this? All, what causes this other than mental illness? Well, you know, I I think part of it too is is, is also a hatred, uh, you know, for society and just the community and you know just people, you know, that you see every day in life. At least that seemed to be uh, the case here with uh, with my book, uh, you know, on uh, Joliet's uh, serial killer here. John, how do they balance it out? And I promise I'll get off the subject, and I just want to turn and t- talk to you about Terror Town. But how do they get to the point where I'm going to ruin my own life just so I can kill a bunch of people? They, they, they got to know they're not going to get out the other side of this deal, don't they? I don't think they do. I don't know. I mean, uh, that seems logical for us to, to you know, yeah, rationalize yeah. and think that way. But I think, especially if you look at the, the people like the Ted Bundys of the world and uh, John Wayne Gacy and here with Milton Johnson, I, I, I kind of believe that they, for the longest time, felt that they were and wanted to be smarter than the police, smarter than everybody else, and actually relished in the fact that, uh, that all these killings were going unsolved for so long. Uh, so it really, I don't want to say it becomes a cat and mouse game, but it's because it's more than that. But, uh, but I do think that, uh, that not only are they taking great delight and satisfaction, in these horrible crimes that they're committing, right. um, but uh, but they're also enjoying the fact that they're kind of able to hide and you know and uh, kind of disappear into uh, into the community, and um, you know and uh, the police don't know who they are or they don't know what they're looking for or in, in this case here there was some uh, you know mistaken identities as far as just some possible suspects that uh, they clearly didn't look at all like the person that the police needed to be looking for. So uh, so just kind of knowing that uh, that there's this, uh, you know, misguided investigation, I think that oftentimes, uh, you know, that, that also uh, makes them uh, pretty proud and happy to see that uh, the suffering's continuing and yeah. the police don't even know that they need to be looking for me. Yeah, they got away, I got away with it, didn't I? I'm smarter than you are, I got away with it. That must be what they think, I, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. So, the untold story of Joliet's notorious serial killer, Terror Town, USA, during the early morning hours of July 17, 1983. Fatigue became a factor. A young couple pulls over. They were just at Marriott's uh, Great American Music uh, Park there just outside of Chicago. They got tired, pulled over to the uh, side of the road on the shoulder of Interstate 55 to get a restful sleep. And then John Farrick comes along and tells you the rest of it because it ain't pleasant. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's very scary, and, and a lot of these crimes are just terrifying, uh, especially in this case here that we're talking about. We had a teenage couple that uh, just were super tired. They had spent the full day 
you know, Great America. They thought they could just pull over on the side of the interstate and uh, didn't think anything of it. They were both from a small town in the central Illinois, and uh, and last thing that they imagined was, uh, you know, shortly after falling asleep in the middle of the night, that, that somebody's going to be um, knocking on their window of their car and then just immediately, almost simultaneously, blast, uh, blast, uh, blast, uh, one of them away, and then takes uh, takes his girlfriend hostage. I should say hostage, but uh, abducts her, kidnaps her, and uh, drives around with her for several hours and uh, mm-hmm. sexually assaults her. God, it's so amazing just to hear about this kind. Of, what, first of all, if you're the parents of that young man who was executed, uh, don't you say, what are the odds that you pull over at just the right place on the highway to get a little sleep yeah. so you drive safely? What are the odds that you're going to get killed? God, it'd be incredibly low, you'd think. Oh, unbelievably low. And I know for that family, uh, you know, there was the, 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 um, the young boy's father, uh, I'm going off of memory, but I'm, he was a teacher in central Illinois and just... Uh, he had then come to uh, Joliet, Illinois, and testify at a Will County uh, uh, coroner's office inquest. And uh, so, just imagine, you know, having the, the drive two, two, three hours uh, to, uh, you know, testify about your son's murder. Oh. And uh, the last thing that you had expected was, uh, yeah, I mean, you find yourself in this predicament, and that this, you know, going to take over your life and consume you. And uh, I know for the family, there was probably some regrets, too, just from the standpoint that uh, that the, the young Tony Hackett uh, and his girlfriend, they left early that morning. And I think the father, uh, you know, didn't get a chance to say goodbye to his son oh, before they went on the trip Ugh. to Great America. So uh, that's something else that, uh, you know, that uh, that weighed heavily, you know, on the family uh, in, this, in this horrific tragedy. Just not even have an opportunity to say good, goodbye one last time. Uh, you know, uh, because yeah, nobody, nobody in a million years was expecting something like this to happen. And he, prob- uh, he probably had an ID his body. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and that was, you know, and I, I have all the, I mean, the crime scene photos are just, as you can imagine, just gory. I mean, yeah. he was sleeping, he was sleeping. He and then his girlfriend switched places, even though she was driving right at the right around the time um, that uh, that they got tired and pulled over. Um, she. Uh, she went in the back seat to sleep, and then he slept in the front seat, sprawled across the front seat. And, uh, you know, about an hour or two into, you know, into their sleep, um, you know, this creepy creature uh, just pulls up uh, right behind them. Um, and he clearly doesn't know who they are, but he's obviously out there scouting and trolling right. the roads, uh, you know, the interstates, uh, you know, and it just happened to be that they were parked in that exact location that, uh, that he decided to. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna create some havoc and uh, and just uh, unleash just vicious, you know, evil on on, on, on this couple um, who he didn't know, and he spared the the girlfriend's life, um, but he thought he killed her. Though he drove around with her oh. for a few hours, sexually assaulted her, and then blindfolded her, and then stabbed her with a long uh, sharp knife, and then pushed her out of the vehicle and left her for dead in the middle of the road. God, she had what, no idea where she's at, you know. Yeah, sure. God. Absolutely. Here's what I, you know, obviously that we're not thinking like a guy, a guy like this would think. But there are, and I'm being totally honest here, you know, I'm probably talking a little too much. But there are probably two or three people that I know that deserve to die. But I still couldn't kill them. 
I couldn't, I, even though they deserve it if I did kill them, I couldn't think about doing that. How, that's what's so hard for me to believe, John, is that somebody, yeah. you don't even know these two people. They never did anything to you, yet somehow, what, God appointed you to be their executioner? What is this? Yeah, that's the thing that's just just, just crazy about these kinds of uh, killings. Uh, sometimes you can understand, well, or rationalize or, uh, you know, make some sense of, of a killing just from the standpoint of understanding the motive and how the people... You know, hated each other, but just the idea of just randomly picking somebody, you know, off the interstate or somebody at a, you know, a little pottery shop or just a boyfriend and girlfriend that are out affectionately parking, you know, on a, on a rural, remote uh, country road. You know, Those a... are all the kinds of crimes that are happening here. Right. And, uh, and again, it's not like uh, our serial killers going, you know, taking out people that... Uh, you know, whereas former teachers or former principals or somebody that cut them, you know, from a wrestling team or a football team growing up, uh, these are these are people that he's had no contact, you know, never encountered right, ever right. in their lives, and uh, and probably for that reason, he knows that he's going to catch them off guard because they're not going to be looking over their shoulder or having any clue no. that he's lurking in the shadows. God, what a, this whole thing just fascinates me beyond belief. Just thinking about what I always try to do, and I don't know where I ever learned this, I'm sure somebody taught me, but is put myself in that same position as, first of all, the father of the, the young, young fellow that was killed. Why did it happen? I mean, the odds of that happening were minuscule. But then I put myself in the position of the, the murderer, and you think to yourself, uh, like I said, I, there are people I know that probably deserve to die. I would never think of killing them, first of all. I don't understand. What, do these people think they're somehow very special, that, that they've been appointed by some greater thing to be an executioner? Why, why are they so important they get to execute human beings? What's that? I think that, at least in this particular case, it was just, again, a hatred for society and a feeling that, that society owed him and everybody... Everybody out there, um, you know, had had a better life mm. than uh, than what our Joliet serial killer Milton Johnson uh, had uh, had experienced growing up. And uh, um, whether it was, you know, because of women, you know, rejecting right. him over years, it, it does seem that a lot of these crimes are um, sexual in nature. Even as I did research and talked to a lot of police for this, I mean, we have one situation where four women are stabbed to death inside of a pottery shop um and and almost all those wounds are to their to their chest um and and the knife i guess that was used was just incredibly long almost Mm. uh i mean 12 to 16 inches long is what the police surmised and some of the cops told me that there may be that in of itself the way these crimes happen almost could could be considered a, a sexual crime in nature just the fact that he may have been getting off the fact that that he was that close to them and you know and his you know, stabbing thrusts, you know, were so intense that uh, that that also, even though it wasn't a rape, you know, a sexual assault, that satisfied his urges and desire just by uh, you know by committing these crimes the way that he did. John, I have a question for you, and it's kind of scary thinking about this, but it just kind of popped in my head. We're seeing so much video now, and and what I always do base it on is what I would feel like if that were me. Uh, I I witnessed so many 
pieces of footage of crime. Like, I personally could not walk up to a 68-year-old man sitting on a bike and punch him in the face just so I could rob him. But you see that constantly now. People just brutalizing people in the streets. It's been going on, but not at this level. Are these, like, serial killers in training? What What is that? I mean, it could be. the. Uh, I know that there's kind of a belief that sometimes with, with serial killers that they start with either fire burning, you know, right, burning right. fire stand, or, you know, cruelty to animals, you know, I mean, uh, cutting off heads of gerbils or hamsters or rabbits, uh, you know, or, you know, or, or doing things, goofy things, uh, you know, and odds. Odd, uh, and I had a case about 10, 15 years ago in Nebraska that, uh, that, uh, that a psychopathic killer uh, was a teenager, but he, he was involved in both of those things. So that doesn't mean everybody's going to turn out that way, but, uh, but, uh, but sometimes those are some of the signs, um, you know, somebody going down, you know, a terrible, dark path that there's no way to turn around. But in this particular case, there was really no evidence as far as those kinds of crimes. You know, as, as a teenager or as a youth growing up, it, it just seemed that, uh, you know, again, there may have been this, this sexual voyeur, voyeurism that was going on where, where Milton Johnson seemed to have a, a knack for wanting to watch, you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, you know, parking, um, you know, yeah, in, a, in a remote area. And then... At some point in time, he gets brave enough to, uh, to actually uh, interrupt uh, these couples and, uh, and either commit a rape himself or, and or just scare them, you know, and uh, threaten to kill them. And years later, in 1983, as, as things unturned, he actually did start committing murders in, in that fashion. You know, they're, they're talking about one overnight killing spree, uh, claim five victims, a plague of senseless violence sparked. This is all from just one guy, or, or did Joliet just somehow happen to go nuts for a while? Well, it was all from one guy, but yeah, Joliet did happen to go nuts uh, yeah. you know, for a while, so it was actually both. Um, there was a couple other murders that happened that, uh, that summer that had nothing to do with these crimes, but, uh, but, but at the time, police didn't know that necessarily. In fact, one actually happened, which I write about in the book. One actually happened uh, about five or six houses up the street from where I grew up in Joliet. Uh, it was uh, you know about a quarter mile up the road, uh, and uh, and it was a it was a widow. She was uh, 82 years old, and uh, she was found beaten to death uh, in her living room. Um, and uh, and uh, one of the newspaper carriers' fathers, you know, found the front door open a couple of days later and uh, went in with another neighbor just to check on her, and they found her dead. Um, that crime was quickly solved, and the evidence was clear that a different person committed that murder. But, you know, when it first happened, everybody around Juliet was like, oh, my gosh, just another, yeah. another you know, murder committed by this elusive, crazy person that's out there. John, what's really eating away at me right now, and I think about this once in a while, uh, and this will just take 60 seconds, I promise. Went to high school here in Minneapolis, North Minneapolis, and went to Minneapolis North High School. And I went to school with this one guy. I talked to him a million times, you know, had lunch with him. Didn't really know him, but he was just a, like a schoolmate, and I, I would schmooze with him once in a while and whatever. Uh, I hear a story. There's, there's a bus why It used to be, anyway, uh, by the Basilica Church in downtown Minneapolis, right under. There were a bunch of bridges that go over the top, so it's kind of like a... A sequestered area in a way, I guess, just because there's so many bridges going over and they park buses there and all the rest of it. 
It turned out that a young woman bus driver was murdered, raped and murdered by four young guys. Right? Wow. And then I find out one of the guys that did it was the guy that I used to sit and talk to at school. Hmm. And here's what he said, John, and that's why this will never, it's going to stick in my head for the rest of the time, and that's why I may have a, what seems like a fascination with this because I'm still trying to figure out how a guy who was so pleasant to me could do what he did. So they're taking him away, and I see him on television. They're taking him away in cuffs. And he looks at the camera and says to the camera, well, at least she was alive when I raped her. Oh, jeez. I'm like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. To hear yeah, that coming out of the mouth of a guy you've communicated with is real. John, do you have to interview a lot of uh, a lot of people before you understand what, what serial killers are all about or murderers at all? Yeah, I try to do you yeah. know, as many interviews as I can. And in this case, for the Territown USA book, you know, I did numerous interviews with a lot of um, retired prosecutors, judges, and approval uh, uh, sheriff's investigators and some of their spouses, because uh, some of them, you know, have passed on uh, over the years. But just, uh, but I tried to do as many interviews as I could with people that had a direct connection sure. with Milton Johnson. Uh, um, I made several attempts to write him in prison over the last few right, years, right. Uh, and uh, and not surprisingly, according to the police, you know, he never responded or, uh, or got back to me uh, um, with his version of events, uh, which I made clear when I wrote him. I did not want him thinking that somehow this is a con that I'm that I'm trying yeah. to uh, you know write an innocence project book uh, here. So I made it clear that you know that this book is going to be about his crimes, and I wanted to you know give him a chance to explain. Uh, you know why he did what he did, and uh, you know, and uh, so uh, so that went on on uh, responded to. But uh, but yes, uh, back to your question. Yeah, I try. Uh, yeah, I'm not a psychologist uh, and uh, or behavioral analysis, although I do know a lot of people that are you know national experts in that sure. field. Right. And I've interviewed them for other uh, other cases, and uh, you know, and every case is different. So uh, so what you know what may have happened in that Nebraska case I was talking about has nothing to do with this Joliet uh, set of murders uh, involving Milton Johnson. What was Milton Johnson's, Johnson's final sentence? Um, he was sentenced. Uh, he was um, he was convicted of uh, of uh, five murders total. One was a trial involving the the boyfriend that was found shot to death mm. in the car on Interstate 55. The other was a quadruple murder of the four women at the pottery shop. At that point in time, the prosecution decided there was really no point right. in, in doing, you know, these other cases, even though the evidence was overwhelming that he committed these crimes. Because he was sentenced, the, the judge gave him a death sentence for all these crimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, unlike John Wayne Gacy, who was executed in 1994, Milton Johnson's just appeals just seemed to kind of go on and on. They never had any success, but they just always seemed to be, you know, ongoing. And then 2002, what happens in Illinois is Illinois Governor George Ryan on the brink of being indicted for corruption. Right. Decided to get rid of the death penalty altogether, which I cover extensively in my book. So uh, so Milton Johnson, along with other death row inmates, um, was taken off death row, no more capital punishment, and he was given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. And that's where he is right now to this day. 71 years old, and he's uh, at the Menard uh, State Prison uh, in downstate uh, Illinois. Oh, he's downstate because Joliet uh, is very famous. For, he has a very famous prison right there. Uh, Correct. Correct. But they didn't put him there because it was a he was a hometown boy, I assume. Yeah, <laughs> that's seventy dollars a day for the rest of his life. Yeah, exactly. 
It's just so amazing to me, John. That first of all, thanks for having the have the intestinal fortitude to get through writing a book. This cannot be easy to write a book about a guy like this, is it? I mean, I spent uh, I mean, I'm off over about three years working on this book uh, just because, again, I knew the case a little bit from growing up here at Joliet and just how scary it was. But uh, but I really had to do an incredible amount of research, uh, you know, going to uh, the uh, the Will County government. Uh, um, site where they save old uh, court records and documents and go through the police files. So it uh, it, uh, it took me a long time, but uh, but I'm you know I'm happy with how the product turned out uh, in the end. No, I can understand that. There, there there is. I know this sounds bizarre, John, but there is a little bit of a possibly humorous twist to this whole thing because my wife, our son, and our daughter are all sitting in here, and our friend L.A. Nick, and my wife, particularly, and my kids too. Not as much as my wife, but. I do have a fascination with watching TV shows and movies about this kind of thing, and it's because I'm still trying to figure out all the stuff that I heard about and saw, and all the people I know that were killed or killed somebody and blah. And I'm because my wife goes, "Why do you love watching those murder mysteries so much?" Saying, "My <laughs> God, do. you and murder mysteries." Well, it's, a, it's a big industry. Oh, it's I mean, huge, it's huge yeah, for entertainment. Huge. I mean, well, I understand the fascination of trying to figure out what produces someone that can do that you know yeah. circumstances society mental problems i mean it's got to be a combination of all of them i just don't think you can ever really figure it out i no, i not. never was really interested in until the dc sniper case that was that weird. case really drug me in it because weird. it was just random people getting shot all over yeah and it, you know it's yeah. a pretty strange case yeah and, and to have a guy and a young kid involved that weren't related it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I don't know what's what is scarier the the guy that goes and I mean we just had another mass shooting what yesterday? Yesterday. I don't know DC sniper stuff to me that's kind of scary stuff. No, it's all scary. It's, it's random. And I think it's got to be related, you know, somehow. Because random killings, as he he hope I tell you, are harder to solve. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would imagine just for no reason coming up killing somebody. It's yeah. got to be a bitch to solve that yeah. case. I would I would assume. So, John, it took you, what did you say, how many years, six years to write the book? Oh, three years. Uh, three oh, years. three years. So three still years. a long time, yeah. Well, yeah, three years, still a long time. Did you just have to, at points, just put it down for a while and go, look, i got to get away from this for a couple oh, of yeah, weeks? Absolutely. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I work in, uh, you know, uh, I could go at it really hard for, you know, four to six weeks and then take it to the four-week break and uh, get back at it and stuff. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I need breaks when I work on a on a big project like that, just uh, for for pure sanity's sake, uh, you know, if, if nothing else. Do you, after a while, start looking at everybody like, uh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's your Is deal? anybody normal? Right. <laughs> I kind of look at it also from the standpoint of how can what can I do as I'm out in the you know, community to not be a victim of oh, right. like that, yeah. even though the odds of that happening are one in five hundred million. But, but sometimes I look at these cases from the standpoint of the victim as far as, you know, what could that person have done, even though they were an innocent victim? But, you know, was there, was there anything that they did or could have done that could, could have prevented this monster madman from just picking them out? You know? yeah. um, so well, they what's, say- what's the answer? Is, is there anything? Yeah, oh, not, not really. I mean, I mean, in every case, obviously in this case, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, but, uh, you know, the... Uh, the, the idea of obviously pulling off on the interstate, uh, you know, just to, just to sleep, you know, you know, probably, you know, would have been, 
you know, there probably could have been other alternatives, but I don't know. I mean, back then, too, it's 1983. I don't know if they had the, the rest stops that you see, you know, on social right, right. now that are really commonplace, but I don't think they probably had that many uh, back then. So, I mean, if those were around back then, it might, might have been a different situation. I actually traveled a lot during that time, John, and driving across country, and I learned quickly that if you're on a toll road, you run across less weirdos. Yeah. Because they, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't want do to it. pay the toll. That's true. So if you get on the turnpike, you have to pay that more money, true. but the, the rest stops are a lot safer. Mm-hmm. No right. question. And it's still that way today, actually. I just took the toll road back east, and it's a lot safer if you're on the turn on the turnpike paying that 30 bucks. <laughs> God, John. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, I just got to point somebody. You know, I, I, I met this, well, I actually worked with him at Capitol Records back in the day. He's a guy from New York City, and just a great guy. Just I really enjoyed working with him, all the rest of it. One day we're just walking along, and he goes, I don't know you very well yet, Tom. I just met you, but I, I can tell you something about yourself if you want to know. And he goes, I go, yeah, what? He goes, you grew up in a really poor neighborhood with a lot of crime, didn't you? And I said, yeah, how'd you know that? And he goes, because you look around more than any human being I've ever seen. I said, you're always looking to your left and your right, up and down. You're looking around to see who's where and what they're up to. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder what they would say about me. Oh, yeah, it's true. John, what a great, great subject. I appreciate your time today. Terror Town USA, the untold story of Joliet's notorious serial killer. It is on Amazon everywhere else. Of course, John Farrick has J-O-H-N-F-E-R-A-K.com. Also the best-selling author of Wrecking Crew. Which that's I love that. Thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah. my God, I love and that. And the decision just came out this morning, unfortunately, but we, we kind of expected it. But Wisconsin Court of Appeals just uh, issued the ruling today going against Stephen Avery again. So uh, this was uh, really you know, another, yeah, I mean, they've been waiting for a year and a half, two years uh, for this verdict, and uh, it was announced on Monday that it would come out today. And, uh, and uh, yeah, um, once again, the state of Wisconsin screwed uh, Stephen Avery over, unfortunately. But, uh, I don't really understand that either. I don't get it, John. John, thank you so much for your time. Uh, keep writing, pal, man. This stuff is I will. fascinating. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Okay. John Farrick, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a quick break. Be right back in a couple of seconds with the family. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, president at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we provide a unique experience for our business banking customers that can't be found at the big banks. Our customers appreciate our high-touch, high-tech approach where they get all the benefits of working with a local bank. Our team will get to know your business and its unique challenges while still offering all of the online and mobile banking options you will find at the big banks. Also, when your business banks with North American Banking Company, you'll be working with an experienced team of lenders who know this marketplace and will be ready to help your business capitalize on any opportunity or solve any problem. You add it all up, North American Banking Company is a better banking experience. <clears throat> Excuse me, you uh, do mind if I jump in here? Well, Tommy, if you feel the need, go ahead. Uh, amateurs. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Priority Courier Experts is not the largest same-day courier company anymore. What? But we've always known. Not the largest same-day courier company anymore. All right. I don't get it. Pat, we've been at this for a quarter century now. But I thought... Uh, uh, uh. All right, then. What is Priority Courier Experts? Okay, I'm so glad you asked me that. Priority Courier Experts is Minnesota's largest same-day trucking company. All right. 
I still don't get it. Well, let me put it this way. When you think of courier, you think of packages. When you think of trucking, you think of pallets and freight. Okay, so? So, Priority has two fleets. One delivers packages and the other delivers freight. In fact, here's a little bit about Priority that you probably didn't know. Last year, Priority's local fleet drove 24 million miles. That's enough to go to the moon and back 50 times. You want to talk about moving freight now? Last year, Priority's big fleet moved 734 million pounds of freight. That is the way to the Titanic times seven. Look, there's still only one expert in town. We just do more now. And we're calling all drivers who want to join the team today. Pick up your phone now and call Robbie, Nick, Mike, or Chad, 651-748-4465, or visit us at Priority.com, and we'll get you on the road. Priority Career Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Attention. Drivers that sign on by July 30th are eligible for a sign-on bonus. Uh, We're rocking out, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have to say. Uh, by the way, we had Ga- Candace DeLong on the morning show this morning. That's why I was thinking about all this stuff, because Candace DeLong, uh, an FBI agent, too, did things like the, she did the Unabomber case and all that kind of stuff. It's a weird case, too. Oh, God, yes. That guy. Woo! Very, very smart man. Went nuts. Yeah, very strange case if you know his history. But yeah, uh, Candace DeLong was another great guest. She was, she was absolutely terrific. Uh, very quickly before we move on. Uh, in Cold Blood, you know the book In Cold Blood, yep. made a movie out of it? Do you know the weird thing about that story? What? That when Truman Capote went and interviewed the guy, which which guy was it again? I can't remember, I can't remember their names anymore. It was a long I'm time ago. I'm names, so we're asking the wrong person. <clears throat> yeah, so he was interviewing one of the guys in the uh, In Cold Blood, these, these murders these two guys committed. And Truman Capote goes and interviews him, wants to write a book, ends up becoming a sexual partner. Well, Truman Capote's a weirdo. Yeah, just a little, do you think? (laughs) Yeah. And whose next-door neighbor was he when he was growing up? Do you you know this? Uh, Manson's, wasn't he? No. No? Not when he was growing up in... Oh, uh, he's growing up. Oh, he's growing up. Uh, In the Deep South. Don't know that. Wrote a great book. She wrote a great book. Okay. To kill kill a mockingbird. There you go. He is one strange strange man. Oh, Truman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was out there. One strange man. And apparently, from everybody I knew that ever met, I never met him, but a lot of people told me. He hit on every man he ever met. Strange <laughs> just person. Hit on people like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I suppose there are guys that hit on women. It's not the uncommon. Time. So, yeah, Truman ended up stooping the guy, or the guy stooped him, or somebody stooped somebody. I know that. That's There was stooping. There was stooping. That's all I, that's all I knew. <laughs> I don't even understand it. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know what I'm uh, saying. What do you, what do you guys think is going to happen with this recall in California? Because now they're claiming because because it's not going to happen. The left claims that he's got it solidly, and the right claims he's got no chance of winning. I don't think it will happen, but no, he is. Uh, he is a, such, such a narcissistic. Oh my God, is he completely ever completely narcissistic, overconfident? He's a rich kid brat. He, he, you know what he is? He's the typical Hollywood movie star type of mentality. He, yeah, he thinks is. he's a Hollywood movie star. He does. He really, yeah. really does think that. Do you see what his son did that yeah. today? He, he irks me. You see that picture of his son? What he did? No. 
Went to another meeting. California wasn't wearing a mask. So apparently you and I have to, but they don't have to. Yeah, rules for thee, but not for me. Yeah, for thee, but not for me. He, Gavin Newsom. It's like his fourth time. <laughs> his it family. is, yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's like the fourth time it's ever happened. Um, Nothing really. It's kind of weird, this whole. Oh, by the way, congratulations uh, to Katie Ledecky. And I'd like to point out something. Katie oh, Ledecky, yeah. so she won the 1,500-meter gold first for the first ever. time ever, which is really cool. But what the proof of the matter is, you got Katie Ledecky, supremely talented. And in every family, there's a balance because there has to be somebody who has no talent, and, and that will be Brittany. Oh, <laughs> poor Brittany. Why pick on poor Brittany? Brit. I miss Brittany. I really do. Does you still hang out with Brittany ever, Alex? Yeah, I'm just over at her house not that long ago, seeing her foster puppies. Foster puppies. Pups. I love Brittany. I've known her since she was 17 years old, for God's sake. Really? I thought she was only like 20 now. No, she's in her, uh, she's, she's she's in her mid-30s. Mid-30s now. Yeah, I've, I literally have known her like 18 years. She I didn't was, think she was that old. She was wow. doing the overnight at KQRS when I met her. I know that. But, yeah, congratulations. And I, the great thing about Brittany is she is so proud of her cousin. She's so happy for her. Oh, it's, yeah. it's really nice to see. Not too many people have an Olympian in the family. Olympian. I had a couple of people that couldn't read, but that was about mm. it. <laughs> the only special talent they didn't have or something like that. I don't know what the hell the situation is. So, yeah, congratulations to Katie Ledecky. But, but Brittany, congratulations to you because I know you adore her and, and it's, you're very proud of her and very happy. What, so. you think she's listening to this show? Oh, Brittany, she's probably not awake yet. It's not. Oh, wait a minute, it's noon. Maybe she just got up. She wakes up very early because yeah, she, she has does, to let actually. her dogs out. Yeah, she does wake up very she's early. She's in school for nursing. Is really? she? I didn't know that. She'd be a great nurse. I can see that. Absolutely. She was a medic in the Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Although, I, can, I can see her working in the hospital. Uh, yeah, how'd you like this, though? Nurse. They wheel you in on the gurney, and you're laying there, and, and somebody comes up and goes, What's the matter? Yeah. <laughs> She's got kind of a loud voice. She does have a loud voice. She (laughs) She gets very excited about things. (laughs) She does get very excited. Yeah, she'll be an amazing nurse. You know that. You know that's true. So, but I saw that this morning, and uh, you got Simone Biles who just said, "Look, I can't do this," and just dropped out of the Olympics. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It's got to be something else happening. When she gives the statement, it didn't seem sincere. It seemed like it was staged, like she was told to say it. Well, I know that one of the reasons she didn't um, something fishy. Man. One of the reasons she didn't retire was to, um, because she thought that what's his face the oh what's his face doctor here? that sexually harassed like mm. hundreds yeah, of prison for right. life now. <laughs> yeah, but they she didn't retire because she was the only one of the people that he oh, that harassed group. Yeah, that. Group. that was still would be active and she thought that her remaining active in the competitions and stuff like that would keep him more accountable because they weren't really holding him accountable for a long time like in the 90s a bunch of girls said stuff and they were completely written off and all this stuff and so that was part of the reason why she didn't retire and so it's I'm wondering if Maybe she has some like PTSD stuff happening from that. She just didn't seem. 
statements. It was just, I don't know. I didn't see any of it. It didn't seem from the heart. I didn't see. It seemed see. enchilat. Like, uh, I'm just not going to, you know, just, she had, there was no feeling to it. I know. And, of course, you know, social media is raking her over the coals. I don't for, know. I don't, I don't see any You don't stuff. drop I, out. You're not a, you know, everybody's, like, congratulating her on her heroic uh stance on mental health issues and other people are like that's not heroic dropping out and ruining the team blah 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 so i it's, i heard some rumors that she did it to, so she wouldn't out show other people on the team so, why would you do that you trained your whole life know, you deserve no, what I you think, get i think it was what i heard that from Rumor stuff. But she said they kind of (laughs) didn't want her to outshine other people on the team. Why? I don't know. So you work your ass off. How old is she now? God, she's she's 24. 24, and what is, what's the lifespan of a gymnast? She's not very she's, long. But she's the best 24-year-old retired. Yeah. yeah, she oh. is. But she is the best by far on the team. Oh, she's amazing. Like, like well, not but even the, everybody on the team said, like, we wouldn't have even got a silver if it weren't for her. They're like, we're here because of her and who she is as a person and how right. she's helped us. Like, right. they're... And maybe she that's thinks she, she's that's it. Well, she, she was sexually abused by a coach, for, so for maybe she Simone got years Biles and years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that that, so maybe that she got, Maybe she got triggered. The oh, Nass- that's Nasser. 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 Yeah, Nasser. Oh, that Larry Nasser. Nasser. What's yeah. his name? Larry Nasser. Yeah, yeah. I think he was, he was uh, abusing everybody. God. He was the, he's, there's an, it's estimated that he sexually abused like 200 girls. Jesus. Because he was the he was the doctor for the. American and what, women's gymnastics team from like and what's the mid eighties until a couple years and ago. What's weird right. about that? A lot of mothers were there that knew about it. Yeah, that's the thing. Is the parents it. were in on it? Is the thing. Oh, that's why it took so long. A lot uh, of parents were, they looked the other way he because he was sexually molesting. Oh, yeah. He yeah. wasn't having sex with them. Right. He was doing other things with his hands and stuff yeah. but the, the the parents were there if the parents hadn't like looked the other way then yes. it probably wouldn't have gone on for so long how can that be i, I don't understand because mm-hmm. they want their kid to be a Olympian. olympic you know, t- gymnast t- t- also they're worried that the doctor won't clear them or something he's doing an examination yeah, and it was under the guise of, yeah, like, this is medically with a knife. Yeah. I, it was medically He was pretty much saying he was, he was medically examined then. Yeah. That's uh, what, and right in front of the mother. I'm gonna, uh, I have to medically uh, examine her here. Yeah. Uh, well, and also, that. if you miss your chance, so, like, let's say, you know, they went after him. Uh, their daughter probably wouldn't be competing in the Olympics that year just because it yeah, yeah, would be such a big conflict, mess. Yeah, conflict. Yeah. Next chance they would have was four years later, right? Which they could be Which, too old. Or... If you look at the average age of an Olympic champion over the past several decades, 19, 16, 18, 16, 16, 17. Yeah. Oh. If you're 16 years old, four years later is too late. Yeah. But he really yeah. he got what he deserved. He got a yeah. pretty good sentence, man. Yeah, he's in, he's prison in prison for life until he's like, I think, one hundred and thirty yeah. years yeah. before he can get parole or yeah. something. Yeah. He ain't like, never getting out. Oh yeah, and it, well, and then there is a man on the rowing team or the men's handball team or something like that that's been accused of sexual harassment, and they have like this plan in place to keep him away from women. What? Well, yeah, he's accused, not convicted. So. No, but they they have this like plan. Yeah, yeah a plan in place so where he guilty. cannot be near women when he's there because he's been accused and is like awaiting his court date or something like that. Well, that's a little ridiculous. 
Oh, I, oh, it must have been a condition of him competing. And I didn't see the I didn't Something, see the I reason. Guess. But what is know. the rule why girls women's volleyball have to wear bikini bottoms? They don't men have do, to. Men do yes, too. Yes, they do. It's the rule. Well, not you in the Olympics. Not in the Olympics. In uh, the, that, you're did. thinking about that's the Euro Cup. The, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, the Euro Cup. It's rule. You Men do too. Yeah. Men and women can't wear anything longer than ten centimeters. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's very right. strange, it's but really it's true. It's the rule. Because yeah. men at the Olympics wear, like, regular sports shorts. At the Olympics, you can basically wear whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, they wear, like, regular well, workout shorts. I watched the shorts. Olympics volleyball the other day. All the girls were wearing bikini bottoms. I know. They, yeah, they at one less time, I'm assuming. a team very petitioned bikini to bikini wear bikini bottoms. Yeah, they did, yeah. That's what happened. And then, and then everybody decided to start wearing them, so that became the normal thing. So that became the uniform. And now... I did see one <laughs> yep. team wore shorts when they were fined. Yeah, the Norwegian yeah. team was they fined. Were, they were fined. Yeah. So the rule and is pink you just have paid to their wear fines. bikini top bottoms. But that's not at the Olympics. No. No. It's at a different... Yeah, world, the world... That was the Euro Cup. Euro, 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 Euro yeah. whatever the hell it is. I feel like that would be extremely obnoxious. What? To wear bikini bottoms playing volleyball? You know. Shorts sound <laughs> way more comfortable. You can wear 10 like centimeter ti- shorts. Like bike shorts, you know, like tighter. I feel like they'd be. Bikini know, bottoms, you'd be like going up your butt all the time. Well, beach the volleyball, right? Sounds, yeah, beach volleyball. Yeah. And handball. Well, handball is the. Oh, that's what they call. They call volleyball, volleyball handball in, oh, the, they in do. Europe. Yeah, in Europe. No, handball is different. No, not in Europe. It's the same thing. <laughs> We looked up handball. We looked up handball. It's different. No, it's, it's basically it's like volleyball. Soccer. Yes. No, it's like soccer, but with your hands. Well, yeah. Remember? You throw the ball into the net. Well, there's different kinds of handball. There's one off a wall, and there's one yeah. in the well, That's American handball. Well, yeah, there yeah. are different. Yeah, I mean, it's such a generic name. Well, handball, handball is different in the in the Olympics. <clears throat> okay, well, I, I just think out they of should my bring hand. back poodle shaving. Yeah. Poodle shaving, <laughs> 1900 shaving. Olympics in France. <laughs> i got to get this out of my head, or it'll be stuck in my head all day. When you guys start talking about people raping daughters and all the rest of it, Clemenza always pops into my head. Oh, Paulie, you won't see him around here no more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's, he's, it's been taken care of. Yeah. No, I grew up with some guys that you'd never see him again. Oh, God. They're still around, too. I just give them there a was call. a woman that. that just murdered her neighbor because he sexually abused yep. her kid. Yep. Just went over there and killed Good. him. Good. Well, I'll tell you what. I think it. you're going to see more of that because these prosecutors so. are letting people out of prison who yeah. murdered Un- people. Murdered. Let them out for free. Oh, yep. No, no, no strings attached, man. Bye-bye. God. And I'll tell you what. It, it, right now, the numbers, if you look at the numbers, how far back these prosecutors are stacked up, they have yep. 50,000 people stacked up that they haven't 50, prosecuted 000. yet. So now they're just saying, you know what, we're just going to drop all charges on these 20,000 because we're too backed murderers. up. Yeah, they let three murderers out last week. Of course Great. they did. Because the, the prosecutor didn't show up for court. No, they didn't, didn't show up. Show up. Was that Kim Fox's guy? Yeah, seems yeah. Wrong. I thought so. It's a Kim Fox. <laughs> it seems like, what I'm saying, you're going to see a lot more parents killing people because their parent, their kid was killed and no one's getting going to jail for it. Well, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Well, then, are they actually going to be prosecuted or will they do the revolving door right probably, out of into... Probably be prosecuted. They would be prosecuted, yeah. <laughs> Why? It's the way it works, man. Does it depend on who you murder? Yeah. Is, is there, like, no, is there a the group that's is. okay it to murder? It depends on who the murderer is. It depends yeah. who the murderer is. Uh, yeah. Good Lord. Okay, I got to ask you guys a question here. This whole situation, because your mother and I just toward the end of the night we sat down. I was watching a little bit of, of news, and they kept showing video of these these Congress people 
uh, testifying at the January 6th uh, hearings, oh, yeah. crying. I, I watched know. the whole so thing. So you know what happened then? I like, the give me a break. Staged, ridiculous, well, ridiculous. Scripted, scripted television. No doubt about ever it. Seen my, in fact, it's, it was more God. scripted than stuff like Darcy and Stacy. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Know, when you, you live in an ivory oh. tower, it can be triggered by anything. I couldn't believe, I just, it's so hard for me to even talk. That Adam Schiff might be the most disgusting human. Uh, you know that he emails me all the time? What? Adam Schiff sends me an email like at least twice a week. A personal sure not one? Gary yeah, Schiff, sure it's not Gary Schiff from Minneapolis No, it's Adam Council? Schiff. He's just as bad. <laughs> he's just as bad. No, wow. I'm serious. Are they related? No, I don't know, but he's just as bad. He's the one who made Minneapolis a sanctuary city. Next time he next time he emails me, I'll show I'll show it to you. Okay. He sends me What's emails. He want money? I'm, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He wants money. Oh, That's exactly right. what he so. Did you see what their what their cost is for their private security? It's 300 people. times more than, like, we some, get. Some of these, no, some of these mayors Our city, are getting yeah, four or five cities. million dollars. I know. Mm-hmm. Five million. Well, Congress is at 500 million. Yeah, I know. 500 million bucks to protect security. Congress. You know what? Omar's one of the highest. Elon Omar. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. She's spending, like, crazy money. That's because she knows everyone hates her. And, you know, Jacob Fry's oh. been out in a bat lately. He was at the Centennial Water oh, Centennial, Centennial thing, and he had four arm security. Did he? Oh, yeah, of course he does. Did oh, we what? have Aquatennial? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And he had four arm security with him. Catherine, I thought I was going to win Commodore again this <laughs> year. I didn't get it. You know, John Hines was Commodore in the Aquatennial one. Yeah. yeah. I, I was there. That year. Oh, were you? Yeah. Yes, I was too, actually. Yeah, I was there. But that I year. just, I still, my favorite is still at the. Uh, the, what was it called? The Hullabaloo? What was it called? Holly Dazzle. Oh, Holly Dazzle. Mm. Hullabaloo. Catherine and I go to Holly Dazzle when it used to be on Nickel at the Mall. Oh, yeah. That was so fun. The parade. What was the parade? Johnny Lassman's out there. I walk up. I said, God, John Lassman's here. That's kind of weird that he's here. He's watching the parade. I walk up behind him, put him in a headlock and go, you're done, pal. Wasn't him. Oh, God. Whoops. Oh, God. That's what Nancy would do. She thinks everyone's someone else. I'm like, it's not them. Trust me, it's not them. I was so embarrassed. That guy, and the guy was like, what do you want? Oh, God. Like, oh, God. I'm sorry. He's probably lucky he didn't sue you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No doubt. But I was working for Capital Inn, so I was okay. Anyway, working things through, ladies and gentlemen. So we've covered basically uh, the economy, and then we've covered the scumbags in the economy. And then I just... Like I said, Catherine and I watched a little bit of news. Like, what did we watch? About five minutes where I'm, I'm going to bed. I get to get the hell out of here. Well, it's depressing. It, it, you watch it, and it's, it's just so depressing. phony. You lie through your... Everybody on the national news is a liar. Every one of them. It's like you said that it's not even close to being true. Don Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Don Lemon. He actually was... Uh, on Tucker Carlson's side about that guy that, confront, that. confronted him in the bait shop. And well, you know why? why? You know why he was on his side? Because he didn't he beat him up? No, because he doesn't want that happening to him. Oh, is that what, he didn't say that, did he? <laughs> That's exactly Don what he Lamont. said. That's what he said, I don't want it happening to me. Yeah. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, why you would have the balls to walk up to somebody because of what they do on their job, I, that is not your business. Especially you don't have his, to watch him. His daughter was there, too. Yeah, okay, see, I'm, once again, Paulie, you won't see him around here no more. So <laughs> what, he, what town was this in? Uh, somewhere in Montana. Uh, yeah, it was in Montana, exactly. He was, like, in some bait shop, and this guy... Just happened to have, you know, like a, somebody to record it. It, it seemed yeah, it very happened. set up. It, seems it seemed staged. very set yeah, up. You're absolutely right. Then that's just, I mean, it's not okay to 
to call somebody names in front of their kid. It's just not. Okay, I have another question for you. There are people on the on the left and people on the right, news people that I cannot stand, but I would never walk up to them in public and start railing on them. No. But, you, but you do it to Tom all the time. Yeah, Catherine does it to me all the time. <laughs> non-stop. Non-stop harassment. You know, kids. Catherine went after me again today. It was not fair. I don't ever call him the worst person in the whole world. The next to the worst person in the yeah. world, you've said. Third or fourth. Close, worst. Close, worst. Close to the worst. <laughs> close to the worst. Close to the worst, ladies and gentlemen. You're up there, but not the worst. You're very close to the worst. So, yeah, avoid the news. Don't watch the news right now. It's so depressing. And the, the, the ideas that some of these people have, are you crazy? You really think that's a good idea? I don't even, I don't even understand the, the, the. They all get the same phrases going. Yeah, they do. Like you oh, can, yeah, you they can turn every channel all saying the same exact word, like identical. See, do, Tucker does that a lot. He plays back everybody saying the it's exact so same weird, thing. Man, because I'm not Very watching funny. this garbage, and I go channel channel, and they all say the same phrase. Yeah, they do, and it's on purpose, by the way. That's intentional. There's I mean, no did they all get a script and say, say that, say that somebody sent it to them? They do, yes. Yes, they do. Because last, last week, it was, or two weeks ago, it was all number one danger in the United States is white supremacy. Yep. They all said oh, it, like, God, across the board, across joke. the board, across the board. Then the next week, it was, this was the most brutal thing since yeah, the Civil since War. The Civil War. And yeah. every single station said the I same know. exact same. Oh, you mean about January 6th? It's, yeah. it's called propaganda. Civil War. War. 750,000 people died but in the Civil War. But even Biden said it, worst thing since the Civil War. 750,000 people died in the Civil War. Well, I'm just telling yeah. you know. So this is just, so World War II wasn't as bad as this. Well, a presidential assassinations, Congress assassinations, yeah. those weren't as bad. And even the fact that they keep oh, calling it an insurrection. I don't know if people know what the definition of insurrection is. It means true. people took over the government. Yeah. Right. No one took over our government. No, they didn't. Ever. Not. Our government was never stopped. Or even tried. Never, they didn't try it, to take was, over our government. A, a, a meeting was delayed for 10 minutes. Right. Literally, that's what happened. Yeah, I'm not saying it was good. No. I'm not no, saying those no, people no. did anything. They I encourage everyone to Google Reichstag fire and read the Wikipedia article. Because you'll find yeah. some uh, interesting parallels, I think. But insurrection is taking over. Nazi Germany. Yeah, I mean yeah. that was oh, yeah. the oh, yeah. uh, that was the incident. So someone burned Absolutely. down the German. I was the like head of Parliament building or something, and they that's what they used to say, "Oh look, our country's in danger. You need to give us absolute power." What, yep. which is literally what is happening right and, now. And right you know what's now. funny? Just a couple of months before, people stormed the White House. They had to take. Yes, they had to take too. the president's yes, family, did. put him in a bunker. Yep. So why wasn't that that's insurrection? Okay. That's okay. Don't worry about. Don't worry about. <laughs> but why wasn't that insurrection? I couldn't agree more. I mean, more. They, they literally they burned down federal buildings. It, isn't everything just optics nowadays? Yes, everything is. is just optics. It is just it's what optics. you call it it's and what you it's, how it's, much you freak out. It is purely theater. It is. It's right. theater. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back with our two LA Nicks in the studio.